You're listening to Peace Out, a Women Against Gun Violence podcast hosted by Saba Johnson, me. For over 25 years, Women Against Gun Violence has prevented gun violence through its innovative programs and by promoting strong and effective gun legislation. To support this organization and podcast, consider making a donation at our website, www.wagv.org. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Peace Out. Today, I'm joined by Tessia Walker, a senior at Palisades Charter High School. Hello. Uh, we've known each other for about two years now, and I've kind of I kind of peer pressured her into joining me here today. So <laughs> let's get right into it. So Tessia, I really want to know how gun violence relates to you at all. Well, I mean, obviously, being Black in America relates to gun violence because there's just a stigma around our the black community that's like whether it's gangs or police brutality you have to be aware always of what's like of your surroundings that's definitely true but also i also really want to know how exactly you talk to your parents about guns and really how they talk to you given that it is such an issue in in your community well um my parents really started me off young when i was learning about black history and also just how to be in america like um for the longest time we were we watched like bet movies bet was always on in the background and um i like from those movies you really like learn it's like movies that are predominantly black cast and about black culture and it's really just a learning tool that they gave me I guess because um so so many of those things taught me like how to protect myself in in a way and also um like if the movies were about like um the community like down the street I, I live near the Crenshaw Mall so down the street um if you're just walking like you could see like the community that you live in in those movies and you could see how like the police would interact with people that live in in the community and it sometimes they were comedies and it would just be a joke but like in other times you could really learn something i definitely see that so so within them kind of teaching you through like media and through Mm -hmm. representations of your community in movies and tv shows and things like that in your day-to-day life how does really gun violence relate to you at all if at all yeah well I just want to thank my parents for for giving me that background. They also gave me that talk that a lot of black kids get from their parents, which is, um, you know, like how to act when the police are around you, which is another reason why I'm afraid to drive because I look pretty young. And so if I start driving soon, then they would pull me over. And the worst part is it's, they can't pull you, off, pull you over because you look young. Right. I remember when I because I I look really young as well for for my age, and I and I would worry. Well, if I have my permit and I'm driving, or if I even have my license and I'm right. driving, then am I going to get pulled over because they think I'm too young? And people would say, No, they can't. They can't do that. Yeah. But then again, I also think to myself, Well, they can't pull you over and shoot you if your brake lights aren't working. So exactly. I kind of have trouble kind of trusting the system that I've been honestly indoctrinated into because law enforcement and law and order is so really inherent in our society and I think guns have a really big part in that because I think we really associate war and order and kind of quote keeping the peace 
by using guns. And I just think that's really contradictory because I don't see how death or right. injury can bring that. Bring peace. Yeah. And that happened to, uh, to my mother a lot when she was young and she started driving. She did graduate high school early at 16, but she... Um, she began driving like soon after she graduated and she got pulled over a few times just because she looked young like nothing was wrong with her car she had her license and she wasn't driving too fast or too slow I just know um she looks very young for um when she started driving and I know I do too and so I worry so much now especially now in the climate that we live in currently that that if I get pulled over I would be shaking I would be so afraid of just having a conversation with the officer and showing him my license like because I know nothing will happen but there's also a part of me that doesn't know and, you and, know and honestly I just would would those feelings change for you if you knew the the officers weren't armed or would it be the the same exact thing well now that the stigma is already built and we know that there's sort of this inherent racism that pol- that the police have like not even it's not even like the way they grew up maybe but just the way they've experienced uh, the things they've experienced in their career mm-hmm. it's just that like being around them it just causes anxiety f- and I know that's not just me it's like so many other people and I just I would be less scared if so many of the the local police didn't have guns but at the same time it's like they do use them to protect people but you don't hear about that happening so often you know yeah that's true and I think that is a very big part of not only really just like the culture of the news and the 24-hour news cycle but and I think it's I I really do try and prevent myself from buying into the whole but what about the good guy with a gun kind of rhetoric because Really, I, I just, I think it's kind of a one in a million kind yeah. of chance, even if it is a police officer. Although, I think I do have to disagree with you on, because I personally, I, I don't think the police, state police, local police, I don't think they should be armed. Because I think in the situation in which there is a really big threat to the community, or there's just something happening that needs some sort of response that may need the perpetrator to be in the most euphemistic terms, put down. Right. I don't think they're going to be calling the local police. They're going to be calling the National Guard. They're going to be calling some sort of federal agency that's not local police because they're equipped to handle that. But, I mean, because when you think about it, the local police, what do they deal with? They deal with petty robberies, petty shoplifting, um, some minor traffic infractions, even a minor gang fight that doesn't have anything to do with weapons or doesn't really involve the entire community so often. And I can't help but think about how those situations and how the laws regarding those situations disproportionately affect black and brown communities. Yes, that that is really a disparity. But I also think about, like, domestic violence cases and if, like, um, if officers are going into people's homes um, with guns, I think that is so unsafe because you really don't know what's going on in that home. And if they walk in with the preconception that somebody's being hurt, then they, their preconception would be right. to hurt them. Right. And that is when so many bad things happen that may not even be called for. That's true. I do, and, and we see it even, God, we even see it, and this was a former police officer, but recently on the news they shut an unarmed person in their apartment. Right. And I'm, 
Right. And again, there the woman claimed she said it was her apartment and yeah. she busted in basically yeah. and she shot the man. I just it's it's in those instances where I'm like why why are there guns? Or or at least why are there guns in the hands of those people? But the thing is because I um despite me not growing up in a in any sort of gang-ridden community, community I was I have I had the privilege of being raised in a relatively safe community, and yet my parents, or at least my mother, kind of taught me to be not anti-police, but to always be wary of the police. Right. Because I know with a lot of whiter communities, with more higher income communities, they say the police are your friend. Mm-hmm. You see someone breaking into someone, call the police. You see someone right. shoplifting, call the police, and that is their reaction. Yeah. Because I think it, the outcome will always, in one way or another, come in their favor. Whether it's who's in their getting, favor, yes, exactly, exactly. But that's not the case for so many other people. Like if you aren't raised in that in that environment, right. if you don't, I'm, I don't even know how to articulate this, but it's just so scary when someone like if say you're locked out of your own house exactly. and your neighbor um, is like one of the people you just mm-hmm. described, and they just call the police because they think you're breaking into your own house, but you just <laughs> lost your key, right? Right. Like. It's oh, no, this happened with um, Ti, the rapper Ti. Oh right, right, right. He lives in a gated, mm-hmm. dominantly white community, mm-hmm. and they called the police on him. Right, because they he was black, and they didn't exactly. expect him to be someone who would own that type of house. That would be belong in that neighborhood. Exactly, and I think that that is intrinsically a part of the, because I find arming local police officers because local police officers they deal with the community Mm -hmm. and if they're in LA where it's kind of like split four ways where it's like you have West LA that is more um not only more white but also more rich and then you have East and South LA that are um, more dominantly concentrated with minorities and there are in their lower income areas and because I think police officers they're trained to think these areas are associated with crime therefore I should police them more therefore I should quote enforce the law more. Right. And I just that's in theory and on paper that makes sense but I think it's naive to disregard the um how do you say I just think it's naive to disregard the the underlying not only stigma that you said but and I'm going to bring this up, the history of the police, because we have to we have to talk about the original police forces were slave patrol. Right. They were sh- they were gunning down slaves. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then it was like, okay, let's let's enforce like other civil laws. Let's protect private property. Right. In in that Oh, never mind. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. And um let, let's protect private property, but then we have to think about even today, who's owning that private property and how are they protecting that private property? Because, and now my question for you is, did I ask this, like, on recording? If, if police officers weren't armed, would that alleviate your fear any less, or would it kind of stay the same for you? It would. It would alleviate it a little less. Um, you did, you did, ask, did ask this, but it would alleviate my fear, but it wouldn't, like, totally go away, because they still have that, that idea in their head that being in the, in the communities that are filled with people of color they still have that idea that they need to enforce the law more there so it would take away a lot of the the deaths that happen Mm -hmm. so often in these communities but it wouldn't completely get rid of the problem between those communities and the police i agree i agree and i think we we definitely see that with these like with these devastating stories of 
Rodney King in the 1990s, mm-hmm. a gun was never pulled, but he got beat half to yeah. death with a club. Right, exactly. And the officer had the audacity to say, I've never beat a slur like this this bad before and like things like that. Right. And they were unapologetic about it and then they weren't indicted. And then we saw with Sandra Bland, she was arrested and then allegedly, but I think this is the case, she was murdered in the jail. And mm-hmm. that didn't have to mm-hmm. do with guns either. And so... Yes, I do associate having guns and gun violence a lot with the police, nowadays especially, and just for the sake of being aware of what's going on, because I I can't buy into the rhetoric of a few bad apples who are using these guns for quote-unquote bad purposes or unkosher circumstances, because if it's there, I know they are more inclined to use it. Right. Because it's their backup, right? right? They're more inclined. That's what they they resort to. They're not going to resort to de-escalation tactics. They're Mm -hmm. not going to resort to even their club. Despite protocol, they have fear. Exactly. Yeah, they have that fear in themselves that that was installed by whether it was their upbringing or the like police academy they have that fear and they have an initial reaction and I feel like they haven't been trained enough to stop the initial reaction from grabbing their gun to de-escalating a situation because there are ways exactly because there are de-escalation tactics there's just if you're stopping (laughs) if a person's in a car and you genuinely think they're about to reach into their glove department to get a gun to pull on you right duck (laughs) right (laughs) i feel like there are so many other ways you don't just you see a young black man grabbing for his hairbrush and you think he is grabbing for a gun and you shoot him that is no reason to shoot someone you need to like you need to get a new way of dealing with these situations you can't your first instinct cannot be grabbing your gun because it just it leads to too many deaths. What does it lead to? What do what do you think it's going to lead to? Because oftentimes, if you pull a gun on a suspect, how do you think they're going to react? Whether right. they are innocent or guilty. <laughs> Personally, for me, if I ever had a gun pulled on me and I didn't do anything, I would run. Right. I would not stay there and wait to see what happened. I would run, whether or not it's a police officer. Mm-hmm. You are pulling a gun on me. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And, and if then, you pull your gun on someone, they're... The person who you are aiming a gun at, they are—they have fear. They are scared. <laughs> they're, they're a person. They they're are a person. Untra- they're a civilian. Right. More importantly, they're a civilian. They didn't be... They are not trained to have a gun pulled on them. They right. are not trained to be in these situations, but you know who is you are. Right. You, as the officer, are. Exactly. You are the person who should be calm in this situation. And even if you do grab for your gun, your first instinct shouldn't be to immediately shoot that exactly. person as well. The, the, um, yeah, the term that's often thrown around is trigger happy. Right. They're trigger happy. And I just... I... I <laughs> <laughs> it's one of these things, and it's, and it's really, it's almost laughable, because I think about how the police targets these different communities and how the federal government even kind of addresses the com- these communities, because I think really throughout history and, like, past administrations really just solid... Like, the war on drugs... My God, that not not yeah. only did that increase gun violence within the like the black and brown communities, but it mm-hmm. increased gun violence perpetrated by the police. Because if you weren't going to, because I don't yeah. understand how you can put these communities in the predisposition predisposition to have to deal with crime, to to honestly have to resort to crime. Because I don't crime isn't a, isn't a matter of morality in my case. 
in in my opinion, if you're shoplifting for food, right? If, if you're, you're shoplifting, shoplifting for, for your well being, it's on. it's. it's we're at a loss for words, obviously. Again, if, yeah. you're, if you're shoplifting for food, and, and, and there's this thing that, that I was talking about before we started recording, like FOPs, this slang called FOPs, like fake cops. Right. Where it's, whether it's um, mall cops or just security outside a marketplace, why are you armed? Why do you have a gun? And I understand the counter argument where it's like, well, in this climate, uh, a mass shooting can happen anywhere. And I'm like, I agree. But do you really think an undertrained fop let's say mm-hmm. is gonna stop it right in a crowded dense area i just i don't i don't i don't see the correlation i just don't see it like it doesn't really benefit the situation and i want to hop back to when you were talking about history <laughs> um uh about gun laws especially in california <laughs> the reason they got rid of the right to carry is because of the black panthers exercising Absolutely. their rights and they Absolutely. were afraid about the black people actually exercising the rights they had in educating themselves, so that's why they got rid of the right to carry a gun because they were, they had fear that, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. these black people were going to shoot them. Exactly, and I and you see that's also where a lot of like m- the nuance of my own opinions or whatever kind of comes in because I I personally really do think currently I really do think of myself to be staunchly against guns. I'm very in favor of a buyback program. I I just I think these weapons need to be taken off right. the streets for everyone's benefit, mm-hmm. especially the especially the brown and black communities because it is just a fact that they are disproportionately affected. And the thing is, and then when I think about history and when I think about the Black Panthers and the black community then and even now, they really if they're in this situation where they where they are predisposed to be constantly under fire by the government and by the police, why should they not be armed to protect themselves? Right. And I and I see that argument, but then I think, well, if there's no guns at all, then no one can shoot anyone. Mm-hmm. But then exactly, again, again, exactly. Because of Rodney King, and then there's an inherent power imbalance, and then there's still the criminal justice system. Yeah, which, which is... <laughs> for another podcast. But, <laughs> but, um, but, also, but also the way we prosecute gun crimes in this country under the criminal justice system because we we saw how for Nicholas Cruz for Parkland the death penalty and the, and, and of course it's Florida and Florida is right. oftentimes an exception to the rule <laughs> but in many cases in many but, cases but um we saw that people they were calling for and advocating for the death penalty for him right and i i say yes life in prison i know he's a minor but you the amount of kids he killed the lack of remorse that was shown. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm sorry. I, I cannot abide. However, and then I and then see, and then I think the way that we prosecute women who shoot their abusive husbands. Yes, there is definitely a disparity right? in that. Because I because I, I saw the statistic, and this might be entirely wrong, but something there is a large enough population in women's prisons where nearly a majority, if they're um, in prison for murder, they were protecting themselves from a domestic violence situation. Right, from their abuser. Exactly. And I just think, well, had they had they not had a gun, maybe they'd be dead. And right. I and then I have to think about, well, what's the best situation that what's the best outcome that can possibly happen and would that happen with guns, without guns, would that and again Maybe this is my own fairy tales and rainbows. I want everything to be perfect. I want everyone to be safe. Right. And things like that. And I just, and I know that's not going to happen, but I can't, 
I really do have find difficulty in simply having a very one way or another approach, especially with policy, because there's always the people that are going to fall through the cracks, whether it's through violence by the, the police or if it's through the criminal justice system. And I just, I don't know what's your opinion on that, because I really do have trouble with addressing that. Even like Centoya Brown? Exactly. Ex- yeah. Oh my god. That... The fact that Kim Kardashian I know had to had to step in had to step in and make it nearly a media circus for something like that to go through right. and it was still a fight. It was such a long fight, and such she was still in, incarcerated for a exactly. long period of time. Because she she was incarcerated at first when she was sixteen. She was a minor. Yes. mind you. She was charged as an adult. Charged as an and adult. What? She was in her thirties. No, maybe forty thirties. Something like she was older. Yeah. Much much far older than she should be. Yes in a prison that festers more violence that fe- then there's recidivism rates that wow we're we're getting a little bit off topic here <laughs> a little because bit, I, little because bit. I, can, I can really talk about this forever but to kind of reel us back in a little bit i do want to ask you because you talked about your mom and how she she looked really young when she was driving and how she got pulled over right so there's that similarity between you and her however are there any pretty staunch differences that you can think of within the past generations of your family regarding your experiences, regarding police, guns, gun violence, things like that? And really, why do you think that is? I don't know if there are um, really huge differences because, like, thinking about my dad, my dad was, he's a very tall, he's 6'5", bald black man in America, and he's just, he's, like, trying to survive. He really tries to keep the peace in situations, and sometimes it's a little too much. Like, at the gas station, he tried to stop a fight once, and the police came, and they ended up throwing him on the ground and um, throwing, or throwing him against the car, and it was just a really bad situation. And I feel like, like so many generations have felt the oppression of the police and gun violence and i feel like it's it's pushed down on the community mm-hmm. as a whole but um as for the like, differences between now and and like earlier generations i i definitely think it's not it's not a huge gap i think i think i mean i understand like like now in america there are so many guns this just distributed so many right. people and you really there's no way of absolutely knowing that they they really they should have the right to that gun and okay i don't know how to how to articulate no, this okay. as well but um yeah I, I just don't think the differences between our generations are that big right. besides the fact of like the mass shootings because that definitely puts a dent on like on this uh mm-hmm. this generation because of like all of the like shooter drills that we do in school it's so different mm-hmm. um from when they were in school and they just oh, did true. like earthquake drills you know that's, that's definitely true for sure and honestly yeah now reflecting back on my question i do think it, a lot of it's the media because we've really seen an yeah. exponential increase in how the media is one portraying gun violence and really just how much they're covering it at all mm-hmm. because now we're hearing we're hearing about it most most of the time if there is an inst- uh, instance of an unarmed black man being shot we hear it if there's a mass shooting and so yeah honestly i i do see your point where it hasn't necessarily increased or decreased significantly but it's just being more publicized and i i'm, I'm a little bit more thankful for that because it kind of brings in 
it, it allows people to be involved in the activism in favor of these communities without, right. without having to be constrained to be within the community. Mm-hmm. It kind of... Yeah, it, it it spreads the word essentially. Yeah, it does, but then at the same time, it's sort of like it's sort of this thing where like this has been a problem. Like the like black people have been trying to speak mm-hmm. out for so long, mm-hmm. saying this is a huge problem. But like sort of like now that it's affecting other races, oh. now it's mm-hmm. it's such a bigger thing, and now it's getting that that publicity, I see that. which is big. You for know, sure. it's no, in- yeah because I I feel like this the be, because there was a point in time I believe in about. 2017 2018 where it really just became popular to be against guns and i understand that and and it became a movement Mm -hmm. most dominantly right however again i and everyone said this and i remember reading about this is that you know where were these marches and these movements Mm -hmm. and these walkouts when these black kids have been getting shot within their communities by the police why why did we wait well we know why but (laughs) right but that's just a situation it's it black people are speaking they were speaking out for themselves but they aren't getting the sort of coverage that right. that is that's going on in the nation now right i definitely yeah i definitely see that and i just it's really again it's frustrating it, it's really yeah, frustrating and it i is know definitely frustrating. and it's yeah because but then also at the on the same vein it really does concern me because I think about Sandy Hook and how these were mm-hmm. little upper middle class white children and what was done, what was done about it. Right. And so I can't help but think the little devil on my shoulder, well, what do you think they're going to do about adult black men if right. they don't care about little white children? And I am being literally gunned down. Right. And then in, in my head, I'm like, no, they'll do something, right? They, they have to do right. something. They but have to. They're, something has to happen. This can't just, just keep inclined. going on. They're not inclined and it's just shocking and it's frustrating and it's like you want to shake the government out of its gridlock and really just and we learned about we learned about this in APGov. <laughs> Thank you my APGov teacher if you're listening. But <laughs> shout out to Mr. Rochever. But um we talk about we talk a lot about how the federal government is so removed from the people and from the communities that they represent and mm-hmm. how we really become dependent on our local representatives yeah. to take action. But the fact of the matter is, and we saw this with New Zealand, we need comprehensive federal action. Yeah. We cannot rely on the states. We, sh- we just can't. We won't get anything mm-hmm. done that way. Because the fact of the matter is, I mean, barring more recent events, it's not here that the most gun violence happens all the time. Like in this specific area. Right. You see it more in Ferguson. You see it more in Baltimore. You see it more in Chicago, especially in the south side. And the fact of the matter is that if things don't change there then not enough of a difference is going to be made where we can be at peace. How, mm-hmm. how is anyone or anyone who's an activist against gun violence or in favor of the black community or both, how are they supposed to be at rest and be at peace if they know this is still happening in the places where it happens the most? Right. And yeah, and when I think about those neighborhoods, I, th- I, I really do try and be empathetic and I try and force myself to think, well, what do these kids have to do every day to protect themselves, to prevent themselves from being in a uncomfy situation that is fine for them but it's really not good for the other person and you and you said something along this these lines a couple minutes ago where you said you never know who has a gun and i feel like that def and obviously i can't speak but i can imagine that really does apply to the black community because they have to constantly be they have to they have to code switch mm-hmm. they have to constantly make sure that they're not making the other person uncomfortable or scared or fear that or feel that they are in danger. Right. Because 
who knows how they're going to react and who knows how they're going to react if they have a gun does that really strike home to you living in LA or is that um maybe not really specifically living in LA unless I mean if I'm walking around um I'm in a pretty pretty safe neighborhood but like if you walk like I don't know like 15 minutes right you can you can encounter something that's that can potentially you know scare you but I don't feel like I'm like immediately at like threatened like I would if I was walking around saying like somewhere in Texas right Mm, that's definitely true yeah and again god bless LA LA till I die (laughs) right until I go to college I guess then we'll see what sweaters (laughs) I'm wearing then right I I really do think that it's because when I when I have a kind of little t-chart in my brain and one side is California and the other side is Texas. And I think about, and, or actually no, let's think about this in a Venn diagram, okay? okay. Uh, watchers, you might want to get out a pen and paper, but <laughs> if you have LA on the left and you have Texas on the right and you're talking about their gun laws and how they view black and brown people and their police forces, in the middle, you're going to see a lot of similarities in the police forces. LA, with again, with the police, where they police... Yeah. The police officer we're going to see patrolling the Palisades village outside the coffee bean. Well, actually, the coffee bean's closed, much to my <laughs> dismay. But, but outside the whatever, uh, outside the multi-million dollar little promenade, mm-hmm. it's different. It's different. It's just, I, just different. Just on Sunday, I was driving um, from church home, and it's near, um, like, the Figueroa Exposition area. Mm-hmm. Um, by the new soccer stadium and I saw like three people getting arrested just on my way home on a Sunday afternoon like it was it was just like I don't know like you can definitely see a difference between driving home from uh, from like between my church and my home my home and driving home between school like here in the Palisades and driving to my house like yeah it's just it's really and then again like then it has to do with racial profiling right. and how and how a lot of the police are told if you see this kind of person and you know on paper it's a little vague but they know they cuz you know honestly i i think police officers they have their own kind of locker room talk and yeah. it's, and it's and it's very much so if it's this kind of person if they look this way and they're dressed this way they're probably going to have a gun Mm-hmm. And then there comes the intense pat downs that New York is unfortunately notorious for, and there comes the and then and then it comes down to if you're a black man or a black woman and you're being pat down for the sole reason that you're black, God forbid you have something dark and shiny in your pocket or in your coat. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you gonna do? It's right. A mir- it's a mirror. It's a flask. It's a lighter. It's my phone. It's your phone. What are you supposed to do? And I and I really can't imagine it, and I can't speak to it. But I, and I think we can both agree. It's simply unfair that this community has to live in this state of vigilance all the time, from the, basically from oh, yeah. the minute you can obviously. walk and talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Till death. What? Yeah. From the moment you're born to the moment you die, you are immediately a a victim of racism. Like. It's institutionalized in this country. It's literally what it's built on. You can't really escape it unless you're, like, you know, in a a specific part. Unless you're... Because even... 
Because even, and then, and then I see this, especially when, like, before lacrosse practice, I'm going to get coffee because I'm exhausted from the day and whatever, and I'm walking around, and there's all these, like, white kids walking to Garden Cafe, walking to Starbucks, whatever, and then, and and everything's fine, Mm -hmm. and then I walk past, and it's a group of black kids coming back from their sports practice, Uh and all these adults, they're looking at them, Yep, and they're they're looking at them, and I'm like, what are you looking at them for? What's wrong? Yeah, like, I walk into CVS, and this lady um, walks by me, and she just stares at me. It's like... like, Looking at your hands on the shelf, like, what do you think? What do you think It's like, I just wanted to buy some lifesavers. You didn't have to (laughs) stare at me. Oops. You didn't have to stare at me the whole time walking through the store. Like, maybe I just needed some Claritin, and you pulled up on me. And I'm just trying to be comfortable. Exactly. Like, I'm trying to exactly. give your store profit, and you're following <laughs> me around. And it really, it and, it, and it comes back to, and then when, if you're in that situation, and there's a security guard outside, they happen to be armed, and God forbid someone accuses you of shoplifting, right. or anything like that, well, what are they going to do? What are the, how are they going to react? Mm-hmm. You can literally have the lifesavers in your hand, drop it on the floor, get on your knees or in your back or in your stomach with your hands like this, like starfish. Yeah. Because I think, even like as civilians, like what we have, like our own little protocol, right? And it varies among person to person, but it's always like, listen to what the listen to what the officer says, stay still, say right. yes sir, no sir. Narrate every movement you make. Narrate every movement you make, stay still, don't make any sudden movements. And it's and it's like, why not? When yeah. You, again, when you think about it, why, why shouldn't I? Right. Aren't you the officer? Like, and they should be the person. Exactly. That can control the situation and let you know what's going on. You exactly. don't have to let them know. It's... Why does the black community have, and the brown community, and just any community who is at risk at being targeted by the police, why do they need to stay calm with a gun in their face? Right. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Like, these are weapons, and they instill fear in anyone who sees them, so why why should this 17-year-old boy who's trying to drive home not be afraid when you pull a put a gun to his face why why shouldn't he be afraid why should he stay calm how should he react yeah how should he how and how and how as a police officer should you react and i and i really this may be a little controversial so i'm sorry (laughs) but i really when sometimes when I have friends and they're like, I want to be a police officer when I grow up, I just go, I just go, why? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel so bad. I try I go, to stay why? away from those conversations because it's just like, I don't think you should do that. And it's like, I know it's a lot of people's safety blanket. And I know like, like a lot of people have po- uh, police officers in their family and right. they think they love their family members. So they should love them when they're being a cop. They should, they should, you know. Yeah feel comfortable they feel comfortable around them as a cop so if i if they do it too like you know you know what they they really they make the mistake of associating the individual with the institution and then correlating right and it's like well my uncle's a great cop Mm -hmm. okay right and (laughs) and i feel so bad when i think this because i just i think that too and i'm (laughs) because i'm like listen I know your uncle or whatever who was a police officer. I know they were trained to have a gun. I know you probably have a gun in your home or in right. their home. Mm-hmm. And I know they are. I know they are trained on the protocol that is predicated on policing these poor and minority communities. And I know these pro- protocols are predicated on. Well, you have a gun. Use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's 
it's a it's a weird situation because it's and it's like people you know you know your peers they're they're the people who are around you all the time and you think what if what if they grow up and become a police officer oh and they god. become one of the people who makes these statistics you know oh my god yeah and it's and i find it really i personally find this very prevalent in the media and i and i apologize this is a little off, off topic but in the me- when it comes to gun violence and when the media is portraying it when they're white victims you see their faces you right. see their family yeah obviously. you see their names mm-hmm. and then with a black victim it's well it happened again yeah are you kidding me which is why it's so it's so common that you see on social media like say their name mm-hmm. show their face know their name yes and i think that's so important because if we're going to reduce this oppressed population to a number to a pity number that people just shake their heads in dismay at at the di- at the dinner table i know how are we going to get anything done yeah is i i don't even have any words for that it's just like it's become so common that you just look away when it happens you know that's true you're you yeah because it's at this point it's constantly because i really i can't at this point and this is far different from when i was younger but then again when i was younger i didn't know much and since i foolishly made it a point to know everything all the time (laughs) now as a teenager I know a lot of the bad things, and I really wish right. I didn't. There's so and many so, bad things. <laughs> so many, and I just and then I have and I have trouble not associating the police with oppressing black people, and I have trouble, f- like with my end, like what, like right now, how am I supposed to associate the federal government and protecting my rights when the Patriot Act is out, mm-hmm. and my and my grandparents can't get a visa right. because they have the same incredibly like they have the iranian version of smith and it's the same as a terrorist mm-hmm. well that's crazy that's why i give them a visa right right it's a 70 year old man what do you what do you what is he gonna do let me what know what is he going to do and it, and it, a lot of the like the police the black communities the military to me personally i just think you know i remember i don't remember it but i know what happened in iraq 2001 i remember and i know and i'm not gonna forget it and and I think the parallel, especially with the government and guns and just violence in general, it's it's when you're on the other side of the spectrum, you say, well, they were, were they, well, they were protecting the community, they were enforcing the law, they were doing the common good, and then I think, for who? For who? Yeah, who was being protected? Who? Who? And it's, and I just find it really unfortunate that communities like the black community and just really all these minorities who are just systematically who are just systematically targeted by the government where's their protection what government are they under if it's not this one that's protecting them and so i and i, and I really want to um use this as a segue to and there's the bell seventh periods seventh periods done if you guys want to go to class so <laughs> um but I, I really do want to use this as a segue and ask you how do you want change to happen? How would you prefer... How do you want to see change happen? Well, I definitely want to see guns just... Like, the the amount of guns that are out in America, I want to see that number decrease so significantly that it's it's radical. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, my views are radical. <laughs> but um, I just... I don't know how... Like, it's... it's Right, like you said, it's not my job to figure yeah, this why out. why is it your responsibility right. to... 
to because to stop the amount of people getting killed in the streets exactly, daily. Exactly. Exactly. If your community is being suffocated by these sorts of by this kind of violence, by guns, by the presence of guns, whether it's in the hands of the community or with or in the hands of the police, how are you supposed to make change when you're being suffocated and pushed down and just constantly being put in a position where you can't fight back? Mm-hmm. Right? And you can't. There's, there's no way. And it's the fact that they know, they have all this information, they know this is going on, and there's still just, they, nothing, nothing is happening. Exactly. And it's just not enough. To go off that, though, because I really do want to end this on a more positive note, or at least a hopeful one, to whoever's listening, be aware, listen to the communities that are the victims of this, and don't talk over them. This is so ironic, because I'm saying it right now, but really listen and advocate, and don't be afraid to speak up from fear of retribution from your peers because if it doesn't start with you then who will it start with yeah i definitely agree just know how to protect yourself and if you don't figure out a way to remain calm in any situation that you're in and also try for your first instinct not to be to call the police if something is happening because I know there's this see something say something mentality but at the same time if you're seeing something that isn't what you think it is mm-hmm. it can turn out horribly yeah so just sort of uh know the consequences of your actions right know the consequences of your actions exactly because the action you take that makes you feel better in that moment how do you think it's gonna end up you don't have to you don't have to stick with the thing society tells you to do in order to kind of keep the peace and also i i think don't tell people to calm down when they're angry about this yeah try not to quiet anyone because i mean if you quiet people then you're quieting this situation that you know is a bad thing just be cognizant that's that's my advice um you ever want more advice uh i'm hourly on thursdays (laughs) kidding (laughs) kidding kidding um, not really. Please pay me. But <laughs> I'm happy with ending with that. So, thank you all for listening. This is a long one, but I think this is something that everyone should take the time to talk about. Whether it's with your family or your friends or just the people who are older than you. Because I know our perspectives differ. Not ours, personally. But, <laughs> but between your teachers and your family and yourself and don't be afraid to reach across the gap between communities to understand each other. And that's kind of all we have to say for today. So peace out, everybody. You have been listening to a Women Against Gun Violence podcast hosted by Saba Johnson. For over 25 years, Women Against Gun Violence has been working to prevent gun violence through both its innovative programs and strong and effective gun legislation. To support this organization and podcast, consider making a donation at our website, www.wagv.org.